You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hello, honey, and welcome to Honey Do Me Podcast. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma, and we're just two gals looking for a good lay. Aren't we all? (laughs) But when it comes to sex, we're just as lost as you and have no idea what we're doing. Luckily, we will stop at nothing to get the answers we need. Cue our expert guests. We're ready to overshare and ask all the embarrassing questions so you don't have to. By the end of every episode, you will be dripping in actionable steps and ready to take on the damn world. Or at least take it from behind. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, honey. How How do you you do you? Ooh, my shorts are creeping up. So I actually just had sex before I got here. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, okay, thanks. Um, so I don't, I'm just a little, I'm sore and these pants are stiff. And uh, now I feel like there's a lot raw. going on in there. <laughs> yeah. Just a little mid-afternoon delight. <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. I am. I was so sweaty. That's why I had to put my hair straight up because... I so I think you were there when I wasn't um, there for this. <laughs> not today, but my boyfriend was. We were talking about being sweaty, and he was like, "This girl can get sweaty doing anything." <laughs> I was like, "Thanks, shut your fucking mouth." But then Jurgen told us, also affirmed me, and said he gets sweaty in the yeah. shower because I also do. Oh yeah, you yeah. guys were talking about getting sweaty as you <laughs> are literally shower. in the shower, and Jurg was like. Oh, yeah, I get that. It happens all the time. <laughs> it happens when I'm shooting my legs. I get sweaty. High-intensity labor. <laughs> and then the water's hot, and it's a warm time. Yeah. So, sorry. Anyway, hi. Hi. Hello. How are we? Great as serving. Always. Always. I don't think there's been a day that I haven't at least been, like, a 9 or a 10 on the happiness scale. On the happiness scale out of... What, 50? <laughs> 200? Ouch. Out of like 200? I'm at least a 10. Okay, fuck off. At fucking minimum. God. I'm a 10, which just means I woke up. Yeah. I'm I'm breathing. I'm here. It's fine. Don't ask more. Oh, my God. No, we're doing pretty well. We have new lights. Yeah. So Can't you tell? Can't you tell? I'm not neon with white light that didn't really make sense but you get it <laughs> don't worry about it you fucking get it anyways what else we fucking get is today's episode relationships relationships <laughs> we have on alicia devon mm-hmm. um oh my god she really cracks us open <laughs> and just that? dumps some advice in that really hits the mid it hits the mid <laughs> Who are you right now? Gen a Z? poet? <laughs> a fucking poet? I'm are you sorry? Gen Z? No, you're not Gen Z. I am the year that is like not sure. Not sure what you are. Which is sad. 
uh, like literally the year. So, okay. I don't know. Well, you look really cool today. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. You do too. Thanks. I am wearing a bra. (laughs) I like the purple, the purple peekaboo. Show them your tits. (laughs) You got it. Go to our YouTube if you want to see them. Don't have to ask me twice. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I just, I thought I found this in the closet and I was like, okay. I found this in a heap in the corner. I'm getting ready to pack because I'm going on vacation Mm. again. So I'm trying not to like destroy my closet. I'm just trying to pick off what is right in front of me. Exactly. Yeah. I put this outfit on because it's literally two pieces. And with this bodysuit, I don't wear a bra or underwear. So Nice. (laughs) Do you ever wear underwear with a bodysuit? If it's a thong one, no. Okay. Do you? Yeah, but I didn't know if I was supposed to. I actually, I don't know if I'm supposed to either, but I can't imagine having two pieces of fabric in my ass. a lot of material. You know what I don't do really is button the bodysuits anymore. I kind of just tuck them in, unless like yours is tight, which makes sense to button. Mine's it. like a leotard type. Got it. So there, there's no option. I'd have to cut that bitch. Oh, there's no buttons at the bottom. No. How you could go pee pee? I have to take it off. That's a lot of effort. Yeah, try wearing this with overalls. Oh God. <laughs> which I do. <laughs> which I do. And in public, you're butt ass naked. Yeah, that's well, very when you naked. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> No, it's always Just in general. You're yeah. fucking butt ass naked. You get a little too sweaty. You get butt ass naked. Uh. So I actually don't know if you're supposed to wear underwear. Got I'm it. not wearing underwear right now. Okay. Thank you for letting me know. You're welcome. I wore Spanx to a wedding I was in and it had the like seam mm-hmm. so I could move it to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, I'm not going to use that. And then I had to go to the bathroom and I'm like, I'm going to use this. I, I'm in. <laughs> so then for the rest of the night, I just would sit on the toilet, kind of like really spread out. And then I would just move the seams to the side. That's great. You're like a foot on either wall. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cause they also went up so high that if I wanted to pull them down, I'd have to unzip my dress. So and then I was they like, like roll. Yeah. As you're trying to. So I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to split it to the side. If I get pee pee on my leg, I get pee pee on my leg. <laughs> That's my business. That's my business. Not yeah. your business. Yeah. So. How mm. <laughs> I actually ha- I was just wondering how the fuck we got here. Um, Today we're talking with Alicia and we're talking about uh-huh. relationships. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to say on this is that we also get into commitment issues, which I didn't think I had until recently. <laughs> and then I go home and tell my boyfriend that we got into commitment issues. He's like, thank God. <laughs> He's like, are you less scared of commitment now? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe yes. not. But I didn't really realize that that was like a parent from me. <laughs> until Palpable. he was like, good. <laughs> I'm great. Because I was going to suggest therapy. <laughs> yeah. Because I actually had a number of a therapist. But thank God. Um, great. <laughs> would you have considered yourself someone with commitment issues? Um, No. I don't think I, no, I don't think that's necessarily something that plagues me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I've thought about, like, mm-hmm. as I've recently gotten married. Um, but it's like, we got engaged years ago. We yeah. got engaged only, like, two years into our relationship, really. And I feel like we were pretty young to get engaged. I don't know. Not really. <laughs> not really. But, like, in my head, it feels young. But that never really freaked me out. In the mm-hmm. beginning of the relationship, though, um, I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, 
But I wasn't sure if he was the one that I wanted to marry. And that was really scary to me. And I was about to go meet his family. Um, And so I was like, should I dump him? (laughs) Um, Like the week before. And my issues were that like he didn't talk about sex openly enough. And he wasn't super like physical with me in public. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He didn't shove me in public. He didn't shove me into walls. He wasn't smacking me across the face. (laughs) Uh, There wasn't enough PDA. Yeah. (laughs) And it just like. big for me too. Yeah. It just didn't feel like there was a lot of affection. Now I know that he was like really, really nervous at Mm -hmm. that time. This was like two months in maybe right um and so I talked to my mom about it and I'm like I don't know if he's the one I want to marry I knew that I did love him Mm -hmm. um and she's like you don't have to fucking know if you want to marry him right and I was like oh fuck you're right fuck you're right and then I did marry him so like (laughs) I don't know if that's the best example right but But like it helps I mean I remember you telling me that uh a while ago Mm -hmm. of like just because you're dating people doesn't mean you have to take this like huge weight of like, okay, we start dating. That means I'm probably going to be in a serious relationship with them and probably going to end up having to like have this marriage conversation. Anyway, with like relationships and job stuff, I feel Mm -hmm. like my commitment issues surface. Yeah. Materialize. And I didn't really, I wouldn't have coined them as commitment issues until after this conversation. Yeah. It was interesting. Something that just popped into my head is the way that I think like we're taught to be good girls and good girls like stay, they commit, they're Mm. loyal. You know what I mean? Like that's what a good girlfriend is. That's what like a good wife is. Like Mm -hmm. that's what a good employee is, is somebody who will like stick through it. But I think that's how we get stuck in really shitty fucking relationships. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's like. That is really interesting to think about. Yeah. How that has been like societally injected (laughs) injected into us about like what commitment does mean and what staying and pushing through does mean Mm -hmm. about who you are that's crazy yeah wow good job Cass thank you yeah interesting well we get into that and even more uh so enjoy yeah and I hope you discover some shit about yourself too it helps it hurts but it helps hope it hits you right in the mid right in the mid (laughs) (laughs) and we'll hit you on the other end (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) Goodbye. Well, my name is Alicia Davon, and along with my husband, Erwan, I support both singles and couples in having amazing romantic lives and sex lives, and I've been doing this for 20 years. It's really all I've ever done. Um, I studied psychology in college and then went to grad school and got a master's in psychology and training as a therapist. So I've like done all sorts of psychological stuff and I love people. And I particularly got into the field of sexuality um, right before I met my husband. So he had already founded our organization that we now run together. And I was in grad school and I just remember I was studying psychology, but I was getting really interested in female sexuality and how that works with psychology. And I was like, holed up in the library at my grad school, trying to find anything modern about sexuality and female sexuality. And I couldn't find anything. And a friend in my program introduced me to my husband, Erwan. She's like, you got to meet this guy, Erwan. I just, I don't know him yet really, but I just met him and he teaches these classes about love and intimacy and romance and sex and orgasm. And I'm like, 
take me to this. <laughs> take me to him. Yeah. Amazing. I know. Take me to him. And I, so she, she brought me to a communications game night at his house that he was leading. And I remember walking into his apartment and like crossing the threshold from the street into the room. And there were all these people, I mean, nobody was on drugs, but it felt like you were coming on to drugs. You were like, wow, like the connection and the cool conversation. And I just felt right at home. So long story short, we started dating and then I came and visited some of his classes and I'm like, this is what I want to do with my life. So that's how I started. And we've been together for 20 years. We've been doing it together for 20 years. So, oh my God, you know, that's a start. I love that. <laughs> so he was a professor and you were like a student. Is that how that happened? As sexy as that sounds, I was not ever his student. Okay. I, say that. I was not because we don't mix you know, teacher student stuff were very professional. No, I started dating him. And then one day, actually, um, a few months into our dating relationship, we were actually making out in bed. And I was like, Hey, when are you going to let me visit one of your classes? You know, I want to come to your class. He said, well, how about this weekend? There's a pleasure course. And I'm like, okay. And I thought that I was just going to come to the course and like sit in the back and observe, but no, he actually put me into the course as a participant. So I went on the ride of, of diving into my intimacy issues and all sorts of stuff, but I was just completely floored by how deep it went but how fun it was and how sophisticated it was and learning all this cool romance and sex stuff. So that's how it happened. Oh my God. I that's amazing. would, if he called my name, I would walk out the door. I think <laughs> like that is so sweet, but I would be petrified. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I'm in the core. Oh my God. Yeah. But I just went with it. You know, it was, it was a big, it was an experience. It was great. Uh. That is so fun. And the work that you guys are doing also sounds really cool and awesome that you guys can do it together. Um, Today, we want to talk about relationships. Um, We want to talk about what makes a successful relationship. So could you first define success in a relationship for us? That's a really, really good question. And I will say, you know, sometimes we define success in any realm of life by what it looks like on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's not all there is to it. As we know, I'm sure we all know people that come across as very successful in whatever ways, including in their relationship. But then you kind of dig a little behind the scenes and you realize that things are not what they seem. Mm -hmm. So a successful relationship is a relationship that is growing and developing. It's fresh and it's new that both people are present and here and now, and it has nothing to do with being perfect or looking a certain way or anything like that, but that you're just really, truly connected and present. And that includes having chemistry, having the passion and that juice and sexual energy. It doesn't have to mean you're having wild, crazy, passionate sex every night, but that there's like real freshness and newness and intimacy. So there's a lot of ways I could describe it, but that's, you know, that's a start. Mm -hmm. On the flip side of that, how would you define an unsuccessful relationship? Well, when two people, this is, this is me saying this, right? Other people may not agree with this, but 
often in relationship, we can kind of end up not being tuned in to ourselves or with the other person like we probably were in the beginning. People talk about the honeymoon phase or that new relationship energy or, you know, that that vibe. And it's cliche that that tends to go away Mm -hmm. after time goes on. It doesn't have to, but there's a drift that way. So when both people just aren't really aware of themselves or each other anymore, I would say the relationship is on the decline. Many couples are in that state and they stay together and maybe they have a good companionship or raise a family and do their life together. And that's not a wrong thing. And if by that, their definition is successful, then that's great. In the work I do, I find that what most people want is not just to be partnered, but to really be fresh and new and present and enjoying someone Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know what I was expecting for the definition of a successful relationship, (laughs) but that felt a lot more attainable than I guess the definition Mm. I was thinking of in my head Um, Mm. and like peaceful and beautiful because when you describe the unsuccessful relationship, I can like feel it (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. heart and I feel like I've been there. Um, In the work that you do, is there a bridge between like unsuccessful and getting back to successful? Like, or is it you're unsuccessful because you're incompatible and your relationship won't work? Yeah, compatibility is a really big issue. You know, people want to know, how do I find somebody who's compatible? Or are we compatible? I don't know. And we all have a list, you know, of, of, okay, these things. And for all of us, right, it also includes things like how they look or the size of their bank account or what their history is. Or did not think you're going to say bank account. (laughs) I appreciate it because that is important. Yeah, not a bad thing. I mean, these things. I'm not saying get rid of all of these things, but the number one criteria that we found for a successful romantic relationship is that both partners are authentically open to growing and developing as people. You know, learning, growing, developing. And if you find yourself in a situation where you're feeling like, you know, we're just not compatible or um, we are in an unsuccessful relationship, we're at a point of no return. Most of the time, if both people, it could maybe even just be one of the, the, the people in the couple, but best both start to get really interested in like opening up, exploring the issues, growing and developing that can really turn it around. Like the openness, the willingness, rather than being stuck in a like, well, I'm like this and they're like this and I don't like how they are and I'm just over it. There's more to life than that. Of course, sometimes it turns out you might have really different visions of life or as you move forward, you aren't compatible, but you really want to road test that first, not just go by your kind of prejudices in your mind or your psychological patterning from the past of how relationships should go. I mean, there's just so much more than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This may be more of like an existential question, but if a relationship ends, does that inherently mean it was unsuccessful or can you have a successful relationship that does come to an end? I think you can definitely have a successful relationship that comes to an end. I mean, I've met many people that 
got together for whatever reasons. And then really when they fully opened themselves and they dropped whatever kind of unworkable patterns they were enacting in the relationship and grew and developed and like both were really happy to be like, you know what? This is not what we want. (laughs) Just like laughing their way out the door. Like this is not it. (laughs) This is a great, you know, and then obviously it's not all perfect. Maybe one person feels more like that than the other or whatever, but no, it's, it's a good thing when you come to truth and, and that can be a, you know, I don't know if the, I don't know how to word it. I've never called that a successful relationship, but you could certainly make a case for that. Right. I think that's just where different definitions of success come in because you're no longer in a relationship, but was that successful for you as an individual, um, in right. your own life and your own story? Right. I feel like, cause I would say that the end of my relationship was a success, successful Emma move. Mm-hmm. Sorry <laughs> to him, but like, it was, it was fantastic to, mm-hmm. to end that relationship and discover a new chapter of me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Following up on that, and this may not come out worded beautifully because I'm still working through it, but can, like when you go into a relationship and you're wanting it to be successful, does that need to mean that you want to be with them forever Mm -hmm. like can success mean different things in that way as well like I think that's connected but like if you just are wanting to be open and grow but not necessarily like you don't know forever like can that Mm -hmm. is that still successful can you still like work on success (laughs) yes you can because everybody wants different things I mean I've found that that many many people could even maybe say most people ultimately would love to have a soulmate relationship with somebody and have that grow over time. And that's their person and whatever, but some people don't, you know, either at all or at different phases of life, they just don't, you know, they might want to just date successfully or have fun meeting new people. And maybe they're a person that has just dated serial monogamous, they call it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they just relationship after relationship after maybe it's like growth for them that they could have fun dating and meeting people. Um, so I think it's really defined by whatever your, your goal is Mm -hmm. and whatever has you feel like alive. I definitely feel like we're socialized to want forever. Right. And like, think that that is the goal. Like, okay, I have to want forever. I have to want marriage. I have to want all of these things. I say this like two months after I got married Um, and not that those are bad things. And maybe those are things that we inherently want and are born wanting. But I also think it is interesting the way we are socialized to only look at things through that lens. Well, I feel very at Emma in this question. (laughs) We've been talking about I appreciate it a lot because I go into every single circumstance in my life, whether it's like love, dating, even jobs and Mm -hmm. everything as this is permanent, this is forever. And I will have to make it work because that's success and that's worth putting your effort into. And so what I'm working on in my new relationship and in this new like phase, I guess, is just stepping in regardless of where it could go and stop like over analyzing Mm -hmm. and like pushing myself to have this answer that I don't know, because that doesn't mean success. Mm-hmm. Having the answer two weeks in or a month into a new job doesn't mean that you're successful and like you're safe. Well, and we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about 
goals and like what you want out of things and like if your goal is to be happy right and you're happy in your relationship then like that's all that really matters it, right? yeah you're fulfilling your goal mm-hmm. like if you want to get joy if you want to get growth from it like if you're getting those things I don't think it necessarily matters if you're like oh I can see myself with this person in 30 years right yeah and also, who wants to constantly think that far ahead? Mm-hmm. We talk about right. that with tattoos all the time, but I feel like why can't it still apply to like <laughs> fucking relationships, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because the, the, the C word commitment, right? It makes us think, oh my gosh, or I'm trapped or I can't. It's like you're saying, Emma, that, that um, you're in it permanently, mm-hmm. right? And then there's a sense probably of feeling trapped or, oh God, or do I even want this? I see commitment as more of a type of freedom. I mean, if you really commit yourself to something, whatever it is, it's like playing full out, like really going for it, really participating in it. Like often couples will come to us and maybe they haven't been together for that long. And they're like, how do we know, you know, we don't know if we should break up or are we good or whatever. And we always say, go full on, like road test it, play full out, fully participate, and then you'll know. And it gives it more of a chance of working out, right? If you're not holding back and one foot up the back door and this and that, but it's, you're not attached. I mean, commitment is different than being attached to somebody or something. Right. Yeah. That's some fucking advice. But that, <laughs> <laughs> like that hits in so yeah. many areas. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, we don't talk about commitment and all the pressure that that feels and also the difference in what you're saying between commitment and attached mm-hmm. because those do a lot of the time feel very intertwined. But your definition of commitment feels like how you should be living life, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, think of, um, I like to think of Michael Jordan, right? I'm sure there's a lot of examples, but somebody who's just like amazing at their sport, you know, or they're so passionate. I mean, he's, I can't even remember what his status is with basketball right now, but at least was like so committed to basketball. Obviously, if you asked, is Michael Jordan committed to basketball? Yes. But was he like attached and trapped by it and all this? No, he's like, it's like the full expression of himself. You know, he's just so in it and so committed. And then it has him or had him be amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That does feel really good. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. A new lens. We're going to have to have a whole episode on like commitment and like, yeah. attach- oh, attachment styles. All mm-hmm. those. Oh man, such a hot topic. Yeah. All that probably plays into successful relationships and. Well, yeah, I think a lot of, you know, fear around committing, at least in my head and maybe other people have different perceptions is a fear of getting it wrong. Yeah, like, you yes, know, absolutely. I don't want to commit and be with this person and say like, yes, I'm fully in if. I don't know it's going to work out. And I do that with so many things in my life. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to take the risk because it's going to hurt mm-hmm. if I'm wrong. Yeah. But it's right. like, I won't know until mm-hmm. I actually do it. Right. But that's yes. really scary. Mm-hmm. It is. It's the rub for sure. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's exactly how it feels. It's like, I feel like I'm protecting myself by doing it halfway but really I'm hurting myself and everyone involved because some people might think that I'm committed and in my head I'm like half in half out. Mm -hmm. And so that I'm just jeopard. I'm, I'm ruining it for myself because Mm -hmm. we're all on different pages 
and I'm just scared of making the wrong decision, but I've already made a decision. I've mm-hmm. already on the outside, I'm already there. It's just the inside that I'm not like pushing myself to live it fully. Yeah. You're making a choice either way. Like yeah, you're, yeah. you're choosing one thing, mm-hmm. even if you feel like you're not choosing. Yeah. You are choosing. <laughs> I remember, um, I don't remember her name, but a professor I had in my graduate school over 20 years ago. And she, she was like, you know, when she was in her 60s or something, she's like, you know, life is just messy. It's just messy. You can let it be messy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I felt all this freedom because it's like we think, like you're saying, you know, protecting ourselves and okay, let me calculate my my every move and how much am I going to open? And it's like, well, that doesn't really work. Right. And when we fully open and go for it, whatever that looks like, I mean, it doesn't always work out as a guarantee. Mm-hmm. And life is messy. It's like not for the faint of heart if you really want to participate in it. But then, of course, it opens up possibilities and Mm -hmm. aliveness, too. Right. We romanticize, I feel like, that idea of life is messy in life. You just like you guess and you go and Mm -hmm. you float and you fall in love and all this stuff. And then it actually comes time to be unsure and to make decisions that you have to leap into blindly. And yeah. we're all like, fuck that. <laughs> I didn't, I don't have that planned out. I'm not fucking making anything messy at this mm-hmm. point. But right. we all like want to do that until we actually do that. And then mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Yes. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about relationship patterns because I think that that can add to that fear mm-hmm. and to unsa- all of it all of this. So can you talk a little bit about what relationship patterns are and maybe some of the not so good ones that we can bring into relationships? Absolutely. Yes. And these relationship patterns are a really big part of the work that Erwan and I do because, you know, while we cover all sorts of things like flirting and seduction and sex and orgasm and skills and relationship and all these fun things, the heavy lifting, so to speak, is our psychological conditioning and our issues. I mean, what drives us as human beings usually is our unconscious patterns. You know, we just walk around and we think we're making decisions about things or, but, and and we think of a reason afterwards why we did certain things, but really, no, we're, we're being driven by patterns that live in our unconscious. So we all have what I and Erwan and I call a relationship blueprint. So that's a conglomeration of your past life experiences, the conditioning that you got growing up from your parents, could be religion, school, friends, whatever it is, that whole world that you grew up in and your culture. And we it all kind of brings this template through which you see life. So some kind of gross level examples, right? I mean, let's say you're a person that grew up in a household and, you know, your, your, your father left and then you got this idea like, well, men always leave or people leave, or I will be abandoned or you can't trust men or whatever it is, you know, it could be happened with the mother too, not to pigeonhole men is always leaving or something, but, you know, or let's say your mom was a certain way with you, you know, maybe very, very critical and strict. And so you kind of develop this relationship with the other, like, okay, I have to please them. And I'm the little girl that needs to be good. And, you know, we, we, we get these impressions of who we are and 
who other people are and what the world is like. And it's a survival mechanism, of course, because you want to know things like, okay, if I run out into the street I could, against the red light, I could get hit by a car. You want to know that and remember that, right? You don't have to like learn that over <laughs> and over again and like die, right? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a survival mechanism, but when it comes to people and our psychology and emotions, we just get imprinted with these things. So then we're kind of unknowingly walking around the world interacting with people like, you know, I can't trust you or you're going to leave or things like that. And it's not bad to have a relationship blueprint. We all have them. So it's not like you should go try to get rid of them. They're baked in you, unfortunately, like from age three. And though they are very limiting, right? Because if you find yourself in relationship, maybe you're in a relationship or for people listening, you're dating and you kind of see things going the same way every time. Like, why does this end the same way? You know, always ends with me getting fed up and making the person wrong and I'm feeling good about myself or I'm always cheated on or there's a million things. We see patterns or patterns in ways that we feel. It limits our experience of relationship. So the name of the game is to really start to become aware. Just bring awareness and light to your repeating patterns in relationship. And, you know, we teach a lot of different practices in our work and everything. One of them is psychological inquiry, like learning how to feel and understand those things and why they're there and be able to catch them in the moment as they're coming up. So I'll give you some examples. There's three or four main relationship blueprints that we see that people have. And we call them kind of funny names. So one of them is meanie, like mean, <laughs> meanie, right? The, the, those are, that's those of us that are just tend towards being like critical or we're the one bossing the other person around or we're attacking or we're like the meanie, right? Then there's, <laughs> okay, you're not that mean. <laughs> <laughs> you're so mean. <laughs> But then there's the softies, right? Which are those of us that are like, we're so nice. Like we're kind of people pleasers and just trying to like be nice. We're really mean underneath though. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a softie and it's like, you're not a saint, right? Like you're like, oh, let me just da, da, da. But then we have this like resentment underneath, but there's the softies. And then there's the avoiders. You like can't find them. They don't answer texts. They disappear. You can't reach them. Like they're hard to get in contact with or connect with. And then the fourth one is kind of funny. I don't have a name for it, but it's kind of like the superior person, like the person that's like, I'm just above this, you know, others are below me. It's not quite a meanie, but so those are four main types. And most people can kind of get a feel for, yeah. I when I'm feeling threatened, I go there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do different things in work situations and romantic situations and family situations, but we all kind of have a go-to. Mm -hmm. So that's, I'll stop there because there's so much to say about all of this, but those are like the main types of patterns that we see. So do those patterns come about like reflecting back on childhood? Like we'll use Meanie, for example, like that is how you protected yourself in those times and like that's what determines what your pattern is does that make sense yeah a lot of things determine what your pattern is so you could be mimicking um what you saw or experienced in a parent you could be like being the opposite of that 
like maybe a mother or a father was like super, you know, harsh and domineering and critical. And you're like, I'm not going to be like them. So I'm going to be a nice person, you know, or maybe your dad or mom was a pushover. And so you're like, oh no, like no one's going to mess with me. Like, I'm going to tell you how it is. Or, you know, it, it has so much to do with so many things, but it, it's just sort of like an identity that you create to deal with danger, threat, hard situations, and you just kind of have it as a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. It really solidified with me when you mentioned earlier, it's like you don't relearn don't run out into the middle of the street because you keep getting hit by cars. It's like you learn that once and you're pretty steadfast on, no, I won't fucking run into the middle of the street. And so I can only imagine how emotional hurt that you learn or emotional patterns or relationship patterns uh, that becomes like pretty ingrained in you pretty quickly because like that's how you protect yourself emotionally mm -hmm. and stay connected and have like people that love you so but it gets so buried if you're saying by like three you it takes a long time to like track back over those years and reflect on that um mm -hmm. and also i was going to say can you be a multiple can you be different in different situations with different people? Like, do they trigger different things in you? Like I'm mm -hmm. a meanie to her, but I'm a pushover to her, her husband. I don't know. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, um, an old, a past partner of mine, he, I mean, he was just so bossy and so critical and like a dick, you know? And I was like, all right. And I'm like this nice person trying to please this is years and years ago. But I remember one time, we, I met his parents, right? And his dad was very much like that. And like the boyfriend became this like, not in not a good way, like puppy dog kind of like scared. And he was like scared to be late to dinner because his dad was going to get mad. And I'm like, who are you? Like this is, mm -hmm. right? So he kind of acts one way in relationship, but then when with his father and that dynamic, a different way. So we we can act in different ways in different situations. We, 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 you know, people sort of kind of get hung up like, okay, I have to find my type and what's my type. And I'm only that type. And like, it's not like that. Right. Though we do kind of tend to have, um, you know, a, a, a place we go, a path we go down when we're feeling threatened and it does stem from very, very early. You know, we really just learned how to survive and get love and be taken care of. It just didn't really matter. You know, back then it was like, okay, here's how I relate with mom or dad. So I like keep their love and get their attention. Okay, I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. And we don't just forget that. Right. Is the goal to shed those relationship patterns or to overcome them? Or is it to none like, of them sounded good? Yeah. Is it to replace <laughs> it with something better? What is the goal? Yeah. So the goal really is to have total awareness of that, that identity or that way of behaving in the moment, because there's something really cool about awareness, you know, whether you want to call it like presence or awareness or just that, oh, this is happening now. You're not so gripped by it and dominated by it. You know how sometimes you might act in some way, you're like, why did, I, oh my God, I just totally bit that guy's head off, or I totally was like so nice to that like person. And you know, you just find yourself mm -hmm. thrown to act these ways and you're like, what? So it gives you more freedom. The goal is freedom. It's not like never be like that other way again, but you want to have so much awareness that you're like, oh, okay. Like, that's my pattern, and what's the truth here in the situation? Maybe, um, 
you know, an example is like a simple example, you know, you're at a restaurant and like they've over overcharged you and you look at the bill and you're like, oh my God. And then your tendency is just to be nice and pay the bill and get out of there. But if you're like, well, okay, I can feel that tendency, but Hey, like I did not order 12 beers. I just ordered 10. I shouldn't pay for these extra two. Then you can have that kind of um, natural essential strength to assert yourself. I'm like, Hey, I see this is wrong. Would you mind redoing the bill? So it's like having freedom from it because mm-hmm. then your natural capacities can come out, not your patterned automatic ways. Mm-hmm. I like your numbers of beers that you chose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. That's so funny. I also really like that you said just recognizing what the truth is because I was like, oh, well, can you give examples for like what each different type can do? But it's like that makes a lot of sense. There's like fluff everywhere from our fuzzy yeah. seats. But um. <laughs> you know, like becoming aware and then asking yourself what is true that feels applicable to every one of those, mm-hmm. um, especially yeah. if they are just mechanisms that you've learned to protect yourself and connect. And yeah. Yeah. And also yeah. the idea that the goal is just freedom, not necessarily being free of, because um, I don't think that I'm ever going to be someone who's when I there's just little things. I don't even know what they are, but my inherent reaction is going is like, anger and like word aggression um Uh and if it were my sister when I was eight it would be like hitting her (laughs) like that's how that played out when I would get mad or I'd feel dumb or and I just don't ever see that going away because it is so like lives in me Mm -hmm. but being able to just like recognize and descend from there also feels more like I can accept it without it ever really or with it in like impacting me less, I guess. Yeah. A way I love what you're saying and a way to look at this. Um, I'll try to say this as simply as possible is we very naturally and inherently have certain qualities within us, such as strength, um, joy, will and focus, awareness, compassion, peace, you know, all these lovely, just human qualities that we have, right? And when we're young, some of these qualities get sort of blocked. Um, You know, it's very common that our our anger, you know, our strength will be blocked because our parents are just trying to, you know, they just want to control us, basically. I mean, we have a six-year-old and we have to be really, you know, sometimes he's just, I'm like, can you just do what I told you to do? And like, just do it like this and do it, you know, and it's like, he doesn't want to do that. I don't want to control my kid, but we have that tendency as parents, right? Mm-hmm. So we get squashed, you know, in some, in some people's experience, their joy, you know, that childlike joy and curiosity and spontaneity got squashed. So anyways, these essential qualities, some of them get squashed when we're really young. And then we kind of compensate with the false version of the quality. For example, you mentioned anger. Emma. So strength is like, is the essential, that red, fiery, strong energy. And then anger is not bad. Anger is great. It's good to have it. It's fine. It's good. And it's more kind of surface level. Like we find ourselves getting angry and we don't have strength and power. So really dive, it's not about not being angry or getting rid of that anger or, um, you know, that's an asset. It's like a sign of your true strength within. And so if you can kind of 
not get a handle on your anger, like you need to change it or not be angry, but like, wow, I'm angry. You know, this is a place where I feel kind of weak and I'm trying to assert myself. There's ways to access your deeper strength. And that, I mean, that's called for in certain situations, right? You need to be strong and say how it is or say what you feel or what you need. Mm -hmm. And you can do it in a more true way. Mm -hmm. That resonates a lot more too, because I do feel like the anger comes up when I feel like vulnerable and stupid is like the, my main button. Mm -hmm. Like, I just know that I've grown up knowing that like when I feel dumb or something makes me feel dumb, I get angry. So the way that you phrased it in terms of like, that's a point where I feel weak and I'm trying to show my strength or I'm trying to like assert any type of dominance that I could have in that moment. That makes so much more sense because I'm just trying to protect my weak spot. Right. The wound, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a wound around that and I'm sure there's history in there and, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've ended up feeling deficient and we all have this as human beings, places where we, you know, we weren't seen as kids or we were treated badly, unfairly, whatever it is. And then we have like a wound or a hole. And then we kind of cover over that with the compensatory quality, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah, makes total sense to me. That is, that is hidden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it beneficial to learn your partner's relationship blueprint um, to like combat, to grow? Like, is that a part of what you guys work on with, you know, when we, when we need to work on a relationship to have a successful relationship? It's great to know your partner's relationship blueprint, you know, mm-hmm. and as you start to learn more about your own, you can kind of start to sniff it out. (laughs) And it's a good thing. And of course, in relationship, you know, you want to be, you wouldn't want to use anything against anybody, you know, but it really, it helps, you know, I mean, I know Erwan so well, and he knows me so well, I can just kind of smell it and sense (laughs) it, you know, and the way his intonation and his, it just helps you not take things personally. You know, you're like, oh, wow, like that's their, you know, their patterning. And then you're not going to go up to them and be like, this is just your pattern. So (laughs) I'm going to analyze you, but it's just more like, oh, wow, like they're triggered. Something's up, like something feels familiar here. It's so helpful. It's great. That, yes, I can see where that comes in, especially when you're getting to know someone. Like, obviously, I don't know my boyfriend that well. We just started dating, but not that I'm also going to go and be like, you're patterning, but like <laughs> leaving space for maybe this is a potential pattern. Like mm-hmm. maybe I don't understand this moment and that's something that like we'll get to know about each other, but maybe this is what happens when you feel triggered and we'll, we'll learn about it. But mm-hmm. that way I don't have to take it personally and it doesn't have to be mine and trigger whatever's inside of me. Yes. I mean, yes. it's, and we get, we get so triggered as human beings, Right. But the more we can see that with clear eyes, it really helps because, I mean, so many relationships bubbles are just like one person's blueprint and the other person's blueprint. And, you know, the inner critic is another kind of psychic entity we have, right? That voice that's always giving us such a hard time and judging everything. And, you know, we can get so wrapped up in all of that. And then it's just like two patterns butting heads. And if there's at least one person in some moment, you know, luckily that's like, oh, wow, okay you know, I'm triggered and I can see that this is happening. And, you know, then it, 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 it just, it minimizes the crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. When you were talking about strength in relation to anger, I was thinking about like the positive 
aspects mm -hmm. of these like four different um, patterns. And I was like, okay, you know, like with anger, it makes sense that it would be strength and passion maybe with, you know, a softy, maybe that's like, they are gentle, understanding, empathetic. And then I was like, but what about the other two? And I was thinking, because uh -huh. I was, <laughs> I would say that my partner is probably avoidant. Um, yeah. And I was like, but he also has pretty good boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. And then maybe I don't know about like holier than thou, maybe good worthiness, <laughs> <laughs> right. but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's hard to map it on exactly, mm -hmm. but there's certain, you know, there's in every kind of, egoic expression i mean that's 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 goodness too you know in mm -hmm. a funny form right i mean it's fear is is and then there's anxiety right in, anxiety is kind of the head version of fear and then there's fear fear is really awareness like being you know have you ever been so scared i mean hopefully you've never had this experience but you like there's an intruder you know or something aren't you like so aware you're just right. like oh my god what you know, your awareness is on overdrive obviously you don't want to have to be terrified by anything but the but the real underpinning is is awareness right or um softies often are really you know quote unquote good at like connecting and there's like a merging quality that lovely merging experience you have with somebody else and you know it takes an egoic form of codependency sometimes or whatever it is but like if you really look into the essence you know, that's a strength of softies, you know, a strength of meanies can be, you know, strength or, you know, certainty or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah. And then where does sex tie into all of this? Like how <laughs> to get to like the nitty gritty that we love to talk about too, sex and relationships and relationship patterns, like where does that fall in your guys's work? Yeah, well, it's part of our, we have a five-part method, the Davon method that we use to support singles and couples in creating romantic relationships and sex lives that that rock, you know? So the five parts, that we've talked a lot about the first part, you know, consciousness of your relationship patterns. The second part is contact, like making deep contact with yourself, like who you are, your essence, like we were talking about a little bit. The third part is all about chemistry and masculine feminine dynamics and communication and really how to optimally relate with somebody of the opposite sex or or sexual orientation then there's choreography which is all about learning to dance through the relationship stages successfully learning skills you know it's a whole ball of wax then the fifth one what you're asking about is cultivation of your sexual potential so it's like everybody i think would like to have great sex in their relationship life, whether it's in the beginning, the middle, or it's gone on for a really long time. So it's like what we all want. It's for pleasure. It's fun. And you can get really good at it. And there is a lot of conditioning around sex. <laughs> so that's where it ties in. You know, most people that come to work with us anyways would like to have an even better sex life, even if things are good mm -hmm. or if they're not. They want more. And it's often our conditioning that gets in the way of that. Right. The I am aware of how much work goes into understanding yourself, not totally, but like in a relationship. But the way that you just described it in terms of like uh, consciousness, connection, chemistry, all of those things, it's like, holy shit, there's a lot that goes into mm -hmm. knowing yourself and another person. Yes. Like 
and then there's sex and then there's being naked and vulnerable and like being intimate with someone on top of the entire kit and caboodle of like what we've just talked about. And that was only one thing, the yeah. relationship uh, blueprints. Like that's insane. Yeah. It's a big undertaking. You know, it doesn't have to be like drudgery and work, right. but it is a big undertaking to have a relationship that's, you know, thriving and really awake. Right. Um, right. You know, I think Casper, you're going to say something. Well, it just, it's interesting to think about if you aren't paying attention to any of those different aspects, or you're not intentionally, you know, working with them and just kind of letting either society decide or what, what that should look like, or, you know, just kind of letting it go, how that would negatively impact you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Kind of. Do you mean like letting it go, like just not paying attention to those? Yeah. Like if you aren't paying attention to your relationship Mm. pattern, you aren't paying attention to the chemistry, you aren't being consciously like you aren't making contact with yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you aren't intentionally focused on those things and focus makes it sound a little like the, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, coming into contact with those things. Mm-hmm. That makes it's like sense. there's a lot of layers to right. relationships. Mm-hmm. Most people are not paying attention to those things. And it's not mm-hmm. a judgment, you know, it's just the orientation, there's distraction. You know, I mean, most couples, we work with both singles and couples, but most couples that come to work with us have this some version of the same issue of like, well, we're not, we're not having sex much or, but there's not chemistry or we're kind of partners or roommates or whatever. Because we can, as human beings, get so focused on, okay, like day-to-day logistics, work, I'm distracted, I have my phone, I have my computer, I have my, you know, and then we just forget about all of those areas. And that's a lot of why people come to work with us, because we provide a structure and like an easy way and a system to like, okay, here's how you do these things, here are the practices, here's the classes, you know, so you can actually have structure to do it. It's almost like you want to get in shape. Right. Mm-hmm. You would it's nice to hire a trainer or at least have a program or videos you're watching. So you're not like, uh, yeah, where do I start? I like, I want to do something to get mm-hmm. this in shape, but what do I do? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so for singles then is the work predominantly around like discovering just all of this about yourself and sex, maybe in your own body and you know, that type of work. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's very similar work psychologically for both singles and couples because you're delving into your own patterns, Mm -hmm. but definitely, I mean, learning how to create pleasure in your own body and learning about your own orgasm. And also though, flirting skills, dating skills, you know, how to handle the world of dating in 2022, which is super weird and crazy and, you know, having support in that. So yeah, there's a lot. Flirting skills. God. I know. I just, I turn into a meanie. <laughs> and then I hope people like, can see through that. Do yeah. it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they just have to get to know me to love me. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it could be an asset. You yeah. Know? Totally. Where can our listeners continue connecting with you after this episode? Well, there's a few ways. So the main way, so first of all, I'll give you our website is DavonMethod.com. We're on Instagram and TikTok at DavonMethod. And I want to offer your listeners something. So two things. The first thing is we have a bunch of different ways that we work with people. Um, All of it is available online. And we do a couple things in person. 
But we have one course coming up. It's an online weekend class called the Pleasure Course, and it's a deep dive into our five-part method. So the whole weekend, we're diving deeply into psychological patterns, and we're meditating and learning about flirting and seduction and orgasm and chemistry and everything. And if those of you that are listening are like, I want more for my life, for my relationship, for if you're a single or a couple, I want to give the first five listeners that contact me a free pleasure course. So that's a gift. So kind. (laughs) Yeah. And then also for anybody who contacts me, that's like, I've already given the five there's a code for a hundred dollars off that I'll give you guys so that if someone just wants to go to the platform on Eventbrite and sign up for it, there's a code for a hundred dollars off. I just really want to make this available. Like you two are awesome. And I'm sure that means your listeners are awesome. (laughs) And it's just, it's a really fun kind of entry point. So there's that. And then also if anybody just wants to talk to me more about our work and what they're going through and if it's right for them, I'm happy to talk. Um, You can text our school. Um, So here's the number to text for either the pleasure course or if you just want to have a conversation. It's 415-308-9580. 415-308-9580. So just mention this podcast, say your name and what you're what you're calling about and I'll also give a link if people just want to fill out an online form to contact me if that's easier Woo! I would love to know what you all have discovered about yourself after mm-hmm. this please let us know yeah comment on our YouTube mm-hmm. fucking DM us fucking DM us because it's super fun even though it's like shocking or a little jarring in the moment to like hear how some of these topics like really resonate Mm -hmm. but it's fun and it's interesting for me to hear how like other people take take away this information and like how it resonates with them so yeah I love a little like down and dirty self-work right yeah yeah because everything is gonna hit everyone differently Mm -hmm. so it's like how did this affect you absolutely it's cool yeah so it's like so cool it's so cool to do self-work mm-hmm. mm. Mm. it's so hot speaking of self-work the other day i was getting a little jelly mm-hmm. just because i i do that it happens and i like had to pause and like really like work my head and my thoughts like backwards about like why this jealousy was coming up and like how it had nothing to do with the people that were like involved in the situation I don't know it was crazy so I feel like I'm trying to do a little self-work on my jealousy lately and uh I feel like you're enlightened and better than everyone am I glowing (laughs) am I better than all of you just like the damn sun yes I am sorry get on my level get on my damn level (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Thank you, Alicia, for being here today. Um, And thank you to our listeners for hanging out. Yeah. And we want to say thank you again um, after you head on over to Apple Podcasts (laughs) to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can leave a written review. And you can also go on Spotify and do a little ratey rate out of five stars. Ratey rate. Five out of five stars. Um, They actually only, they only let you do five out of five. Um, I think they're working on it, but you should just... Do it. it now. Yeah, do it yeah. now. Do it now. Get in there while you get in there while it's hot. Yeah, while it's hot. Well, you don't have to think about it. It's just yeah. five out of five. It'll fill five it in. Not for you. You got to just press the fifth star, but that's easy. Easy peasy. Easy. Yeah, so 
That's all from us. All from that's all from me. Uh, that's the end of my book. <laughs> Closing this chapter. <laughs> I'll see you in one week. In <laughs> one week. Goodbye. Bye.